I will say up front, this is a very different kind of sermon than I normally do. We like to go verse by verse through books. So we start at the beginning of a, of a book, and we do verse 1 until, it, until we're done. And however long it takes, that's, that's just where we end up. And uh, um, my goal is to preach every verse before I die. Um, so we're, we're 10 years in, going on 11 years here, and we've covered a lot. Most of those are online. You can listen and catch up that way. But today... I wanted to do something a little different, and I'll tell you how I got to this theme. I, I was thinking about Easter and, and uh, the reality that we have here. The sun has risen. He has risen. And when you consider the way the Lord has created creation to function daily, uh, annually, the changing of seasons, the, the move and the ebb through all of our lives, every day points us to Easter. Every sunrise in the east points us to the reality of a risen Savior. The sun has risen. Wait, I'm pointing south. The sun has risen today. It's beautiful out there. Every sunrise calls our attention to the reality of the risen sun. And one of the reasons I love Easter so much is the time of year that it falls. It comes in the springtime. We come out of the dead and the darkness, especially here, right? The darkness of winter, these long days where you look and you see just dirt and your trees, right? The deciduous ones, they don't have any leaves. They're, they look like they're dead. In fact, I had a dead tree and I didn't know it until spring when he did nothing. He just <laughs> sat there and now I burned him yesterday <laughs> in the fire. But I'll tell you what happened to all my other trees. They come out of the dormancy of winter, the death and the darkness, and this is what they do. Look at this. The fireworks of God's handiwork happen, and my trees worship their creator. My trees declare he is risen. There is hope after death and darkness. There is spring. And so I got to thinking about light and darkness and death and life and, and these themes as they run through the scriptures. And, and thinking of that, what I'd like to do is kind of trace, if it were to skip a stone from Genesis 1, verse 1, all the way to the end of Revelation and consider the theme of light and dark, death and life. I titled the sermon, the light of life, and I picked one of dozens and dozens of scripture verses that hit this theme. Um, just so you know, we're not going to cover them all. I, I warned the worship team on, on Wednesday night. I said, man, I have way too many verses. I'm trying to pick which ones to use because there's so many good ones. So I pared them down. Don't worry. Uh, but we did feed you already, so no one can complain that they're hungry, right? Okay. Let's pray as we prepare to hear from the Lord's word this morning. Lord, our hearts are filled and overflowing with joy and, and gratitude at the victory we celebrate here today. I pray that we, we are not in our seat today just because we're supposed to, just because it's Easter, just because it's what we do on Easter, but Lord, that today we would come and meet with the risen Savior right here in this place right now. 
Father God, we thank you for the life that is so powerful death could not hold it. Jesus, we give praise to you for your resurrection, for your work, your, your victory. We join in the celebration of that today. And Holy Spirit, move now in our midst, we pray, in power. Stir, convict, open eyes to see Jesus. Encourage, build up, grow roots deep into the bedrock of your word. Show us the light, we pray, O oh God. We live in a dark world. We delight in your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. The light of life. I want to begin with this verse, the words of Jesus, John chapter 12, verse 46. Let me just share what he said, and then we'll track this theme and try to understand what does he mean by this. He says, I have come into the world as light, as light, so that whoever believes in me, and that's important, whoever, not, not every single person, but those who believe in him, may not remain in darkness. So there is a way out of the darkness, Jesus is saying, and the way out of the darkness is Jesus, the light. He is the light. He came as light in a dark world. You ever been in a dark room when a, a candle lights? Your eyes are drawn to that source of light. If, it, if it's the only point of light in a room, you can't help but notice it. Even if you try to look away from it, it's still there. It draws your attention. That's exactly what Jesus was like as he came into the world. So, why are we in the dark? What, what's going on here? Let's go back to the very beginning and understand the journey of light and dark. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we read about this. Let there be light. These words are familiar to many. This is the very beginning of all things except for the eternally existent God. Okay, the first four words of your Bible tell you an immense amount of material about the God who is. In the beginning, God. He, he is. He is. He has always been. He is not created. He is not derived from anything. Everything that exists owes its origin to him. I mentioned this a number of weeks ago. The idea that substance gave rise to life, as evolution claims, is, is backwards. We would say just the opposite. According to your Bible, life gave rise to substance. That life was God. In the beginning, God created, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and, and the Spirit of God was hovering or brooding over the face of the waters. This is a building moment, anticipation. Something is about to take place. You can see the, the drama of creation coming to that point, and that point happens when God speaks. He says these words. Let there be light. And all of a sudden, Light happens. To be light. Now, what is the nature of this light? It's very interesting to read the book of Genesis because you understand that the sun has not been created yet. He has not yet created the sun. And he creates light. And he separates the light from the darkness. 
I find it fascinating that the first words of creation that are recorded here point us to this reality. Light is what he creates. Now, fast forward into the New Testament. We find John telling this, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So it's an interesting thing to consider. God has created light, and all that God creates is, is, is existing to point to who? To God. He, he, he creates out of himself. Who he is is set on display. His attributes, his character, his goodness, his power, his glory. It is created to be expressed. So light itself is, a, is, is an example of a God who is described as light. Well, what does this mean? God is light. And God is not a light bulb. God is light. I think we're speaking at the very core, or as I like to refer it, the godness of God, the substance of His being, the, the sum of all of His excellencies. You could say it this way. We're referring here to the absolute holiness and righteousness of God. He is so holy that he must be described as three times holy. One is not enough to say God is holy. That's not enough. God is holy, holy, holy. What does it mean be holy? Well, there's two parts to it. One is totally distinct from all that is. There is only one creator. Everything else is creation. One creator. He is holy, set apart. There is no other like our God. But the righteousness part of it speaks to his purity. He is morally pure. He is good. He is infinitely right and righteous, just and true. All of this is captured in the, the, the radiance, as it were, of his glory. So when we say the glory of God, what we're speaking is, is the display of his just manifold holiness. And he displays this in light. Now, death and darkness. Death and darkness. What's amazing as you read your Bible is that you don't make it very far before things go haywire. Genesis 1 and 2 speak of a God who creates all that is in six days. He, he makes his creation in six days, and the seventh he rests. And, and part of what he makes in that creative work is Adam and Eve, two human beings, the first human beings made in his image. One man, one woman, the first marriage, actually, takes place in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. And he commissions them to, uh, to, to serve him and obey him and to, to partner with him in the cultivating work of this glorious creation he's made. In fact, he invites Adam to partner with him in even naming the animals that God has created. It's a fun thing to consider. Now, this is what he says to Adam in Genesis chapter 2. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden. Now, we can't just blow past that. All of these trees are yours. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. What is this? This is a test. 
This is an opportunity for Adam and Eve to obey the Lord, to trust Him, to embrace the light, to obey Him and walk with Him and please Him and honor Him as the sovereign God. Well, needless to say, it didn't go well. The rebellion into darkness took place. Adam and Eve disobeyed the Lord. They rebelled against His good command. He, they, they questioned His goodness. They, they, they made it as if He's holding out on them. And, and then they ate of the tree that He said, don't eat from. And in that rebellion, chosen, willful rebellion against the light, they were immediately plunged into the dark. Spiritually, they died instantly. Sin had been committed. God's holiness had been offended. Cosmic treason had been committed. Spiritual death came instantly, just as He promised. In that day, you will surely die. And they did. Their eyes were open. They were ashamed. They hid. They made fig leaves to cover themselves. What is this? What's happening? Why are we running from God? Separation from God. They were thrown out of the garden. They were placed under the curse. The entire creation itself was also placed under the curse, groaning every day. So even though my fruit trees blossom, their blossoms are under groans of judgment from God. Imagine what creation will look like when the curse is lifted and the earth is remade. Physical decline began and death met Adam and Eve. They died. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's where it started, my friends. And so do we. So do we. This world is dark. There, there is a darkness that we operate in in this world. It is a darkened world. Some verses that speak to this as you move through the story of redemption. Although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God, nor give thanks to Him. Two massive parts of what it looks like to be godly. To honor Him as God, as for who He is, and to express gratitude and thanks to Him for all that He does. Instead, what did they do? They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. There's our word. They were darkened. They were plunged into the darkness. Romans 3.23 speaks to how comprehensive this is. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We do not honor Him. We do not uh, mirror him as those who've been created with the specific assignment to carry his image. We say, no, we want our image. We will image ourselves. We like our will. We do our thing. We make our destiny. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means every single person on the face of this earth right now Man, woman, and child is in that category. No one in this room escapes that. Friends, uh, uh, we're all sinners. We're all sinners. Here are some of the 
stark realities for those who are willing to begin to acknowledge darkness, okay? To be a sinner means to be spiritually dead, lifeless. You, you're, not, you're not alive spiritually if, if you're a sinner apart from Christ. You, you're, you're dead in sin. And it says you're darkened in your understanding. You are not able to, uh, to understand the light. You can't see him. And, and when you glimpse, you, you don't want the light, according to John 3. Alienated from the life of God, hardened in heart, blinded to the glory of God by who? Satan. You realize that? You realize that the mass of humanity on the face of this earth is blinded and held captive by Satan himself? You can't see glory. You can't see light. Because Satan has your eyes covered. Enslaved to sin. That means unable not to sin. You, you lack the ability to, in, to do anything but sin. That was a hard one. I remember in Bible school, I wrestled against that. Wait a second. Hold on. The only thing that, apart from Christ, that I am able to do is sin. You begin to grapple with how pervasive sin is. We're not just talking about knocking over a bank or, or, or killing somebody here. We're talking deep-rooted rebellion at a heart level. Autopilot for sinners. The reality is, is that apart from God's work in our lives, we are bound for hell. This is why Easter has to be heavy before it can be a celebration. If God is good, then he must be just. And a just God cannot look the other way, a blind eye to rebellion and sin. That means that in his justice, which, by the way, is perfect and infinite, our offenses are also infinitely horrific to him, which means the punishment of retribution, the right and fitting punishment is eternal hellfire. Friends, we're in the dark. The enemy would like to masquerade as an angel of light and try to convince people that the world is filled with light, but it is dark. It is a darkened world filled with sinners who are desperately in need of saving. But praise the Lord, that's not where the story ends. Let's get those lights back up, guys. Thank you. We have the Lord of life and light who comes onto the scene. He comes and he enters into a world that has been plunged into a chosen darkness, a rebellion, a darkened hostility to the light, to the Lord, to his sovereignty his rule and reign, and he comes by the assignment of God the Father. He enters into the world, the Lord of life and light. Listen to what he is described as. Uh, we saw this prophecy as we've been moving through the Gospel of Luke. Consider this. As uh, John the Baptist is born, this prophecy was given him by his father in reference to Jesus' birth, which was about to happen. You, John the Baptist, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord and prepare His ways. What will that look like? What are His ways? To give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins. Oh, we're talking salvation here. Now, salvation is brought into focus 
with the word sin and the word forgiveness. We're talking about forgiveness of sins. How can you do that? How is that possible? Because of the tender mercy of God. Oh, wow. We learn a lot here. We have a God who is not just good and not just just. He is not just, just dispensing raw, heartless, cold justice. He is a God who has a heart of mercy. A tender heart. And He comes to show that mercy to those who do not deserve it. It's grace. Listen to this. Whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light, here we go, light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That's the prophecy spoken of Jesus. So before he's even born and the echo of of prophecy throughout the Old Testament is clear. He is the light. In him, in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. Okay, now we're coming into light. How do we understand Jesus referring to himself as light? He says, I have life for people who need life. Dead people, dead sinners, folks who are hostile, lifeless. I bring life, and that life is light. It's like spring after winter. It's like the sunrise after night. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Which is more powerful? The question of which is stronger, the light or the dark, is answered right here on Resurrection Sunday. Jesus says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, the light of the world. If you follow Jesus, you will not walk in darkness. You will have the light of life. The only light of hope is Jesus Christ. There are a lot of claims. There are a lot of people who have said that they are saviors. And guess what? They're dead. They're dead. There are religions built around people who have made claims of of, of being saviors. And guess what? Those religions are built around people who are six feet deep. But not our Savior. Jesus is alive. He is the light of hope. He is the light, the light in the dark that we so desperately need. Now, how did He do it? How did He shine? How did He conquer the darkness, defeating the darkness. Let's consider this story. Jesus says this. He said it a couple different times to his disciples along the way throughout his ministry, and I think it was just like, it sailed right over their heads. I mean, as you read the Gospels, you're like, guys, did anybody just hear what Jesus said? He just said what would happen to him. And and then you're reading, and you're like, I don't think they heard. They're just like, what? Listen to what he predicts. His own purpose, ministry, the whole push of his work as Savior. As his three years of of walking and teaching and and performing miracles and, and confirming his divinity comes to an end, he says, listen, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man, which is a reference to himself, 
will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death, and they will deliver him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him. They will spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. That was Friday. After three days, he will rise. (laughs) It's just one sentence. After three days, he will rise. Now, when it took place, they were still stunned. It was, it, it was just like they just didn't, didn't comprehend yet what had happened. Devastated. I mean, Saturday was a day of utter devastation for the followers of Jesus. And Sunday morning, you know, the ladies came with the, the spices. They wanted to anoint the body of Jesus. I don't know how they thought they would get to him because Rome had sealed the tomb with a huge stone and a Roman seal and posted guards. No one gets in, and yet they went. They went expecting to find the body of a dead and very beloved teacher whom they thought was the Messiah, but he died. What they found was something altogether different. They took the spices they had prepared and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. I love this. As they were frightened, by the way, that is always what happens when angels show up. People are petrified. So don't think little cherubs you know, flying around, cute little chubby cheeks. Angels are terrifying. They are the military wing of the Lord's army. They are warriors dressed in white. And these men show up in the tomb with the ladies. As they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you when he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and and be crucified and on the third day rise? And then they remembered his words. It's like it all came together. He's alive? And then they made a beeline to tell the disciples. Our Savior is not dead. Remember what he said. This is his whole mission. is to come and to lay his life down. He qualifies as the, the sacrifice for our sins because he had no sins of his own to pay. He, there was nothing that he had done that was sinful or wrong. How many people can make that claim <laughs> and have it hold up? Jesus was innocent. And he laid his life down to absorb the wrath from God the Father that you deserve, and that you deserve, and that you deserve, okay? That I deserve. I, in my sins, have stored up wrath from the judge, from the executioner. That hellfire is on me unless I turn And I lock eyes with the light of life. It's my only hope. The one who was victorious over the grave. The one who beat death. 
you've realized Jesus killed death. He took that curse for us. And then in righteous acceptance of that payment, the Father was pleased. Paid in full was the stamp. Everyone who looks to the Son will be forgiven. Death was disarmed. Darkness was defeated. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? This is a boast in our Lord. Death has been swallowed up in life. Life and light are found in Jesus Christ alone. So, children of the light, Jesus himself says this to Paul as he commissions him to go to the Gentiles. This is what he says. I am sending you, Paul, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they may receive, oh, this is the heart of it, forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified, set apart, made righteous and holy in me, Jesus says. This is the goal. This is redemption. This is what it looks like. Some people in our day, they, they boil Jesus down to just a great example. You know what? Jesus was just a great example. Just a great, loving, humble, moral dude. And we should be like that. And that's where it stops. Friends, if that's all Jesus is to you, you're still lost in the dark. Because sin is your master still. Justice is still upon your shoulders. You will have to pay. You will answer for your sins. The only hope for sinners who are in the dark is to turn to Jesus and say, yes, he's an example, but far more than that, he's my only hope. He is the one who paid my sins. He, he bought me out of death and, and wrath, and he, he, he is my hope alone. I pray that all here today would see Jesus in that way. The Father, Paul says, has qualified you, believers, to share, listen to how he describes salvation and and the joy of, of being together in salvation he's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption here's the heart of it again the forgiveness of sins the forgiveness of sins that's what salvation is, friends. That's what Easter's all about. Easter is not just about, you know, happy colors and dressing up for some people and Easter eggs for some people and big family dinners for some people and tradition and this is what we do. No, Easter is about a man who was sent by God the Father, the Son of God Himself, who took on Himself your sins and paid with blood was buried and then rose in victory so that we can be forgiven. That's Easter. I love this. Paul says to the Ephesians, for at one time you were darkness. 
Okay? So God is light, and he says to us, at one time before Jesus, you were darkness. But now, in him, in the Lord, in Christ, you are light. Amazing. You're righteous. You're holy. You're washed. You're forgiven. Only in him. The light of the world. And so, on Easter Sunday, we bask in the light of the sun, do we not? We bask in the light of the sun. It's like the warmth after the winter, and you go out in the morning with your cup of coffee, and you feel the sun on your face, and you know, yeah, I'm alive in Him. I'm breathing kingdom air. I'm forgiven because of him. Now, a little glimpse into the future. We're going to go to Revelation, an awesome book that speaks of a certain future. No more darkness, only light. Okay, for all who place their trust, their faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, who, who look to him as their hope alone in this life and the next, this is your future. Listen to these words. John writes, I saw uh, in, in the New Jerusalem, no temple in the city. Why? Well, the, the temple is the Lord, God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. The temple was always a pointer. I saw no temple in the new city because the temple was always something pointing to the Lord and to the Lamb where the sacrifices were made. And then he goes on to say this, and this just kind of blows our concept of what is gonna, what's it going to be like? The city has no need for sun nor moon to shine on it. Okay? Um, in another place, it says there, there is no sun. There's no sun in, in our eternal future. Because there is a sun who is risen. The glory of God will give the city its light and its lamp the, the place from which that light emanates is Jesus Christ, the Lamb, the one who was slain, the one who died, and who was raised, and is at the right hand of the Father right now. Calling people, calling even here in this room, calling people to the light. Come. Come out of the dark. Come. Come out of this, this slavery to sin, this hostility. This is not life. And come into the light of forgiveness. Bask in the sun. Walk with Him. Delight in Him. Worship Him. Obey Him. It's life. Response this morning. Jesus says this, John 12, 26. This is our main verse. We circle back around to it. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. That's the call this morning. Come to the light. Come to the sun. Find forgiveness and hope. Find life and joy. Death and darkness or light and life. There is just a small glimpse into a reoccurring theme that runs through your Bible from cover to cover. To cover. Reminds me of that song, I saw the light, 
I saw the light. No more darkness. No more night. Now I'm happy. No sorrow inside. Praise the Lord. I saw the light. His name is Jesus. Let's pray. There is no greater joy, O Father, than to make much of you, to praise you. We were created to do so. Lord, you created us for light and life, and our sinful rebellion has just plunged us into the dark. What a joy it is to come out of the dark and come back into the light, to walk with you, to see you, know you, love you, to to be loved by you, to experience your forgiveness, your mercy, your grace. All of this, Lord, you give through our Savior, Jesus. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. We do not deserve this. We deserve hell. We deserve fire. But you have given light and life and forgiveness. Jesus, thank you for taking our wrath, for bearing our burdens. Thank you that by your stripes we are healed, that that all of the wrath that the Father had was placed on you instead of us. We look to you in faith. We cling to you with all that we are. And that is enough because you have finished the work Lord, I pray if there are any who who came here today in darkness, I pray that they would leave in the light of the sun, that they would leave with a song in their heart, knowing forgiveness and life and joy and light at the depths of their soul. Only you can accomplish this, Lord, so come now and save. Save in your lavish power and grace. Accomplish salvation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.